You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's do this. Welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Wes Goldberg. I'm a credentialed writer covering the NBA for the Step Back and FanRank Sports. And I write for the Miami Heat's Tip-Off Magazine. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at WC Goldberg. And I'm David Ramil, a credentialed NBA writer who has covered the Heat for SB Nation and AllYouCanEat.com. I cover the NBA at Larger Fan Science and FanRag Sports. You can follow me and my writing on Twitter at Ramil13. Welcome back. It's the year 2018. This is our first podcast of the new year. And of course, we're opening it with a mailbag. So we're going to go through our mailbag questions today. We're going to talk about if Miami can keep Wayne Ellington beyond this season. We've got a question about Kelly Olynyk's defense, and then we have a trade question that we saved for last. But let's start with this question from Lyle, who writes in, Like I always say, you guys are too critical of Hassan Whiteside, always citing his lack of passing without considering maybe that wasn't asked of him. He's supposed to be the franchise center, and that's his mentality. But before the recent back-to-back set, Whiteside commented on how he was excited to get used to the new style of play, where their big men initiated offense in the game against Orlando, it showed. He looked happy passing the ball, and he got some assists, so there you go. New Year's resolution taken care of. Plus, Tyler Johnson finally had his moment. <laughs> I, look, there's no better way to start the year with a you guys are too critical of a Son Whiteside comment. So I love it. It's keeping with the theme of the season and of the show in general. So um, really quick, the plus Tyler Johnson finally had his moment. Right down there. Absolutely right, because in our in our New Year's resolutions for every player, we said... We kind of had Tyler Johnson in the power rankings also was pretty low. Um, and we, we had those power rankings for the 10th or I think the second to last show of the year. We had Tyler Johnson pretty low just because we had said he just hasn't really had a moment, though he has been pretty consistent. And then, bam, 31 points, I think, against Brooklyn. Or not Brooklyn. What was the game? Um, against Orlando. Against Orlando, yeah. So he had his moment. So nice shout out there. Yeah, 20-something 20, 20 of those in the third quarter really yeah. there uh, helped when Miami was in a large deficit, he really closed the gap and, and put Miami over the top and then had a, some nice moments down the stretch as well. Him in combination with Goran Dragic really helped seal the win for Miami over a really, well, a, an Orlando team that's fallen apart ever since their hot start to the season after they beat us in the opener, the season opener back on October 19th. They've just really fallen off the cliff there. So, you know, that was a, a bad loss. But so much to break down in this question from Lyle. I don't even know where to begin. Uh, look, Lyle, you're absolutely right. Whiteside got four assists. Yeah. I'm not all that impressed by the showing. Like, I really don't see that that, that was like a, a, a benchmark moment for him. And obviously, it's a start, and I love it. But at the same time, I'm kind of hesitant to say that this is going to be the new version of Hassan Whiteside. Uh, a lot of those, I, I looked through the video now, those, he was finding cutters. It was a good give and go between him and Tyler John. Yeah, yeah. Tyler had the hot hand. Uh, he found Tyler for one open three-pointer. He, he had a nice cut, cutting Goran Dragic, who he fed the ball. Um, so very nice basic passing ability there from Whiteside. I, I, I don't think we've ever doubted whether or not Whiteside could make those passes. It's just that he's been unwilling I've to do so. I've doubted it. I don't think he – I never thought he could. I just – I didn't think he had – I think he has, like, the least amount of court vision on the team. And of of a lot of centers, I just think I, I I actually do doubt if he can. I like I said, he can yeah, find no, cutters I mean, we if they're right in front of him. Yeah. 
Like, he can right. find a cutter right. if they're cutting literally right in front of him. He doesn't have that passing ability like a Kelly Olenek does to be able to see the floor, you know, without necessarily looking at it. You know, Kelly Olenek can have his back to a guy and find him as, as a cutter. You know what I mean? Um, and we've seen that happen. Right. I don't, Whiteside does not have that ability. He's not, but look, you're right. Um, it's one game. It was nice. One of those assists was a dribble handoff to Goran Dragic that was in the in the flow of the offense, which was good. But he got an assist for it. Like Goran Dragic took the ball from basically took the ball from Whiteside and drove and and scored on a layup. I don't count that as an assist, even though the NBA does for some reason. So to me, he actually he kind of had like two or three assists, not four in that in that game. Um, and I don't want to. I'm not trying to just take away credit from him because I was impressed with him. I was. But I think I'm only impressed because the floor was so low. My expectations were so low, and I was like, oh, wow, he didn't just right. not pass the ball at all, which was nice. Um, right. And, and that's kind of a player that's averaged now. less than one assist per game. Right, exactly. So, look, if you could keep doing this, that'll work. He doesn't have to be as good as Olenek or Bam Adebayo as a passer. He doesn't have to be that good. He just has to do it a little bit, and if, if he's going to... Then, then I have no problem with Hassan Whiteside, and I will be a lot less critical of Hassan Whiteside. But we've seen this before. We've seen these like fits of improvement that he's had, is whether it be getting benched from Mario Stoudemire, then coming back and setting better screens, or, or you know, the Heat talking about um, you know how good Bam and, and Kelly Olynyk have been for the offense while Whiteside's been out, and Whiteside stepping in and, and doing the things that they do so well, uh, like setting better screens and passing the ball. Uh, so we'll see if this carries on. We've seen like little spurts of this from Whiteside in the past. We'll see if it carries on or if he goes back into his bad habits. Yeah, uh, and, and I think the screening that you brought up there was a, that's a very good point because it, it did look like he was much more involved in that end. Uh, you know, he, he certainly had a number of screen assists against the Magic. It looked like he was willing to make those changes. Look, you know, we're not critical of Whiteside just for you know fun's sake or anything like that we're not we're not harping on on his weaknesses because we don't see his strengths the problem is that unfortunately he overlooks those things and he doesn't make the necessary corrections the fact that he did so in one game against a struggling orlando team isn't necessarily indicative of a 180 degree turn from him and i think we still need to see this on a consistent basis before we're ready to say this is the kind of player that we want to be our franchise center and i think lyle you know you're used to franchise center that's kind of debatable also like yeah he is the franchise's starting center he's getting paid a lot of money uh, to be the, the 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 starting center but i don't know if he's necessarily the kind of guy that this team and this front office sees as being built around like and that doesn't he is mean a necessary that, and that doesn't mean that a franchise center is a ball hog you know just because you're the franchise whatever doesn't mean you get to be carmelo anthony then you, you have to be right. Nikola a Jokic. player yeah great point yeah Jokic is the starting center, our franchise center for the franchise Denver Nuggets. Player. And his, yeah, and his his game is based on initiating offense for everybody else. So, I mean, there's you don't have to create those kinds of shots. Like Carl Anthony Towns, same thing. He right. makes plays for others. Like, on and on and on. Chris Shaquille O'Neal. You can, yeah. Like, was one of the most underrated passing big men ever. still get the bulk of your points. Yes. All right, next we're going to talk about so, how the Heat can keep Wayne Ellington. But first... It's a new year, and Locked On Heat still has inventory for sponsorships this season. This is a great opportunity for local South Florida businesses to connect with Heat fans and attract new customers, especially if you've never advertised on podcasts before. As Marco Savic of Igloo Software put it, podcast listeners are a highly dedicated, engaged audience who are more likely to 
likely to be an informed resource for colleagues or friends. Podcasts attract people who are much more passionate influencers. Podcast listeners are 65% more likely to engage with advertisers. Here at the Locked On Podcast Network, our rates are reasonable and based on the number of listens, so it's an efficient use of your time and money. For more information on rates or next steps, email us at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com, and we could be talking about your company right here on the show. We've got a question about Kelly Olenek's ceiling coming up later, but now Brian writes in, how can the Heat keep Wayne Ellington? They'll be over the cap next season, they don't have his bird rights, and there's a good chance that contenders are going to be willing to pay for his services. If they can't move someone to make room, wouldn't it make sense to trade him for a lower or protected first-round pick, or a couple of second-round picks, and or maybe a younger guy, so that they can get back some kind of value for him? So a two-part question there, David. Let's, let's break this down. Let's start with the first part. How can the Heat keep Wellington? We'll get to the second part about second part about if the Heat should make a a trade or uh, if they should trade Ellington now, as opposed to just letting him walk for nothing. But let's talk about that first part first. How can the Heat keep Ellington? Um, they will be nineteen million dollars over the cap next season, and they're going to have about two point seven million dollars of room before before they hit the luxury tax apron. Which at that point they're going to they're going to start paying the luxury tax. I don't think the Heat are going to want to pay the luxury tax. Not for this team. You pay you pay the luxury tax for a LeBron James Big Three team. Not for this team. Um, so I don't think that they're going to go into the tax. Uh, they will have the taxpayer mid-level exception available to them, which I don't think that they're going to use, by the way. But that would be $5.2 million. But So two things. They're not going to use that to keep Wayne Ellington and go over the tax. And the second thing is Ellington's making $6.27 million this year. He's not going to take a pay decrease on a one-year expiring contract next year. I I just don't see him doing that. He's going to get paid. He's going to get offers much, maybe twice as much as that, if maybe not, maybe a little bit lower. So the thing Mm. that I kind of am looking at here is the early bird exception. This might be the only way Miami could keep Ellington is that early bird exception. So they're not going to have his bird rights. That's correct. But they can apply for that early bird exception. Players who are on the same team for two straight years are able to sign that early bird exception at 175% of their salary that they made the last year. And they and they have to sign for at least two seasons. So you can't sign them to one a one-year deal. It has to be at least two years, up to four years. Uh, so that would pay Ellington basically $11 million a year. So the Heat would have to pay Ellington $11 million a year, which would also put them over the tax at the current at their current roster which they're basically they're they're done right they're they're already over the cap 19 million over the cap and two uh, 2.7 million dollars from the from paying the luxury tax so paying 11 million dollars to Wayne Ellington would put them way over the luxury tax but that would also probably be the only way to re-sign Ellington given the offers that he's probably going to get next year uh or this summer coming up so David that's where that's basically how it breaks down so I don't know to me that looks bleak I don't know if you agree uh, I do. I, I, I certainly think that it's less likely. I mean, he can look, he has ultimately control over how much money he takes and where. Um, but, you know, I, I think we have this unfair expectation of players to take less money elsewhere or like, take less money and take a hometown discount, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I think it's absolutely ridiculous considering that none of us would do the same thing given our, our professional opportunity to, you know, to go elsewhere. Um, and to get paid a lot of money. This is a journeyman player who has never really achieved much as far as making a, a lot of money. I mean, you know, relatively a lot of money as far as NBA players go. So he's going to try and collect as much as possible. Now, I don't know that he's necessarily viewed around the 
league as desirable as we might expect him to be. Like he's been such an important cog in Miami's, you know, lineup, especially with his floor spacing and everything else. But I get the sense that maybe other teams view him as this is a guy thriving in Miami because it's Miami, not because it's Wayne Ellington. Like there was no doubt that he could shoot a couple seasons ago. It's just that Miami has found a way to maximize his abilities out there. So I don't know for certain if if teams out there are, are saying, you know what, let's let's earmark eleven million dollars so that we can lure Wayne Ellington away from Miami next season. So right, I don't know how much it'll take to re-sign him here in Miami if they even bother making the attempt. But at the same time, I don't know that twenty nine other teams are desperate to sign a Wayne Ellington, knowing that there are probably other shooters out there that could probably contribute. Just as much as Wellington, Ellington has done here. So, do you think that um, Ellington? So right now, the Heat. You're right. Ellington might not make eleven million dollars next year, which is why the Heat shouldn't pay him eleven million dollars. Like as fun and as good and as impactful as Ellington has been, you cannot pay him eleven million dollars a year. You just can't. Not at his age. Not with his just just natural limitations. He's not an eleven million dollar a year player. Now I think next to the right next to the right point guard. Who or in the in the right system, maybe you can get away with paying him eleven million dollars. You could give him like the James Johnson deal. Like I don't think James Johnson's worth thirteen million a year, but on this team he is just because of what he's able to add to the offense and what this team needs as far as additional ball handlers from the forward and wing position. Um, I just if you're already paying Deion Waiters what you're paying him, you're already paying Tyler Johnson what you're paying him. You cannot give Wayne Ellington eleven million dollars. You can't because now you're that's what, uh, 20, 30, that's, almost, that's more than $40 million invested into the shooting guard position. You can't do it. So that's not even including Goran Dragic at point guard. So I, I, the Heat don't have, they're, again, they're, they're capped out, so they can't pay him any money other, outside of the, the, if they're either outside of these two exceptions or the veteran minimum, which Ellington's not going to take. He's definitely worth more than that. I, I would think Ellington's worth somewhere between 8 and $10 million a year. I think he could get that on the open market, um, again, for the right team that, that could use yeah, him uh, and needs him. So let's get to that you second. Made a, oh, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. You you made a comparison before we started recording to J.J. Reddick, you know, a guy who can play off a point guard like Ben Simmons or a point forward like Ben Simmons and kind of, you know, get his shots off or the way he did in, in L.A. when he was with the Clippers playing alongside – you know, uh, Chris Paul, I wonder if, you know, Reddick's only signed a one-year deal with the 76ers. Right. I don't see why they wouldn't pursue a guy like Ellington. Like, he fits a specific need there. He can provide the kind of floor spacing that they don't currently get from Simmons. And, and you know, they have open shooters around. You know, Robert Covington, a guy you wrote about, has been a great player for them this season. Joel Embiid, obviously, he spaces the floor. But Ben Simmons size can go and find these guys along the perimeter that would be a really deadly team and to get a guy look they're paying reddick 22 million this year i think right, something right. around that around that so they could get they could get ellington for less than half of that possibly uh and i think that's a really good investment for a guy who probably plays better defense than reddick does it's not like reddick is a bad defender necessarily but i think ellington probably provides more value at this point in his career than, than reddick does with all that saying i mean it doesn't look like the heat are going to be able to keep ellington unless Unless basically they trade both Tyler Johnson and another large contract, so you would have to trade Tyler Johnson and his nineteen right. million dollars, and that would basically get them flat to the cap, right? They would not have any room, and this is a big we we talk about this a lot because it comes up with Tyler Johnson's contract a lot. If you trade Tyler Johnson, they suddenly have nineteen million dollars of cap space. No, 
They're already 19 million over the cap. Trading Tyler Johnson will only get them about flat to the cap. They would it would create zero cap space. But what they could it would be the move before the move that could create cap space. So they would have to trade Tyler Johnson and another large contract, whether it be Dragic, Whiteside, James Johnson, Dion Waiters, um, and that that move would create as much cap space as that second contract traded, the non-Tyler Johnson contract traded. So if you traded Whiteside, it would create twenty-two million dollars in cap space. If you traded uh, James Johnson or Dion Wait, if you traded Dion Waiters, it would create eleven million dollars in cap space. So. Basically, they'd have to trade two guys in order to keep one guy in Wayne Ellington, who, again, does not project as a starting shooting guard in this league. So right. um, so what about the second part of Brian's question, then, where he suggests trading him now while his value is as high as it's ever going to get in anticipation of possibly losing him for nothing? Do you see that as something that Miami would do? I think it depends on a couple of things. Does Tyler Johnson and Josh Richardson make up enough three-point shooting that you can lose Wayne Ellington. Um, the Heat right now runs so many sets for Wayne Ellington, but they run those same sets for Tyler Johnson a lot of times. I've noticed this in the last couple of games they played. They have this uh, single-double screen play that they run. Um, that You have one guy setting a screen on on one edge uh, above the break on one side and two guys setting screens above the break on the other side. And Ellington basically runs a loop around them and then comes off that final screen and shoots a three, and he he has money on that play. And that's where a lot of his threes come from is that play. They run the same thing for Tyler Johnson. So Tyler Johnson can start doing that at near the rate Ellington is doing it, and Josh Richardson can do those things at near the rate Ellington is doing it. Maybe even somebody like Justice Winslow can start nailing some threes like that um, from set plays. Maybe you could spare Wayne Ellington because the Heat are going to try to make a playoff run. Ellington could is really helping them right now win games. Ellington is making a major difference. That's why we had him so high in the power rankings when we did it. Um, if they can get that production from somebody else, then I think you do it. I, I think you do trade. Yeah, I, I think you have to just because this team, he might be the only way to get to, to get. I. They have lost so many guys without getting anything back in recent years. And if they haven't lost them, they've re-signed them to above-market contracts. James Johnson, Deion Waiters, Tyler Johnson, etc. I think you ha- if, if it's coming down to the end and it's in February, the trade deadline's coming up, and somebody's willing to spare that, you know, like what the Cavs did by trading a late first for Kyle Korver next year or last year, I could see a team doing that. I could see a team doing that when they know what they need as a floor spacer or a couple of second-round picks like Brian said. I, I think you got to do it. I, I don't think Miami will do it, though. I, no, I just I don't, don't think, think that they they're would. structured. Yeah, I don't think they would. Yeah, I, I think based on their expectations for this season and what it's provided, they're just not geared to doing that. those kinds of moves. Like, they have such faith in their internal front office and their ability to get deals done for players that they want and, and to re-sign their guys that I think they would rather go into the summer possibly with their pants already unbuckled and risk having their pants come completely lay down and 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 you know thinking that they're they're going to be saved somehow like honestly i really think that they're that secure in their ability to re-sign guys that they're never worried about that sort of thing that they're not they're not going to trade anybody in anticipation of quote-unquote getting nothing you know for me you know they'd rather they'd rather take their chances and i think with a guy like ellington who's valued as highly as he is by that franchise and like that's the sense i get that they do love what he contributes not just offensively but defensively and as you pointed out the number of plays that they're running for a guy like Ellington, that, that speaks volumes as to how important Spolstra and the coaching staff views what he can do. And, and look, he's he's paid off. Div- he's paid those dividends completely. Like he's won games for Miami. Uh, and so I, I think that they see him as a, a, a crucial component. And they, I think they rather would 
just take their chances that the team will get healthy and that they'll figure out a way to make a deep run in the playoffs and then worry about the summer without actually entertaining any kind of offers for Ellington. Like it would have to be a huge overpay. And I don't think any of the contending teams that might need floor spacing would be willing to make that kind of move. Unless the Cavs come with like, you know, the first round pick that they're getting from the Celtics, which they're not going to do. I don't think Miami entertains. It is also worth noting um, that I I thought that the reason that the Heat signed Matt Williams Jr. to a two-way contract was basically to train him to be the next Wayne Ellington. You know, we we need some floor spacing coming off. But they recently waived him in favor of uh, Derek Jones Jr. So... Go Knights. Go Knights. Hey, Fiesta Bowl champions. Go Knights. I I could live with Matt Williams getting waived. We should be number one in, in the... Whatever the BCS or the whatever the college football rankings are now, by the end of this thing, go Knights! Um, all right, we saved a trade question for last, but first, quick reminder to make sure that you are subscribed to Locked On Heat on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast, and leave us a review on iTunes to help other Heat fans discover the show. Also, be sure to check out the rest of what the Locked On Podcast Network has to offer, including shows for every NBA and NFL team, the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, we got a couple of, couple more questions here, David. This first one comes from Chris. Uh, he writes in, "What is Kelly Olynyk's defensive ceiling? Some games he is able to be a very skilled defender, and other others he looks like he is lost. I want him to have more minutes because his offense is so much fun, but it pains me to see the all too often lost moments that pop up defensively." Uh, that's an interesting question because. Specifically because Kelly Olenek has recently been moved to power forward, right? He was playing a lot of center, and now he's the starting power forward next to Whiteside. I thought in that game against Orlando, uh, he really struggled against Aaron Gordon. Like, could not, couldn't keep up with Aaron Gordon, who was running around the floor and ended up hitting, like, a bazillion three-pointers in that game. And and in the fourth quarter, I thought it was telling because Spolstra moved Josh Richardson to to Aaron Gordon. Took Kelly Olenek off of him. Didn't Kelly Olenek didn't finish that game. Um, and he actually went to a four guard offense with Whiteside in the middle, as opposed to those two bigs that the, the two big lineup that we've seen from that we saw for most of the game, and I've seen so much recently. So there is limitations to Olenek defensively when he's guarding stretch fours, small ball fours like an Aaron Gordon. Um, and I think that's going to be. I think that's an issue. I really do. I think you, you know you play a guy like Olenek and Whiteside together because you have to because they're both so impactful and because the Heat have spent so much money on both of them. Uh, but there is a def- there is a there is a cap to his defensive ceiling. Yeah, no, without a doubt. I, I think like so much it seems of Olenek's game is based on like savvy. Like seriously, like the, yeah, like that. There was one moment there. I think in that third quarter, but. No, actually, I may have been in the second quarter there where he executed that perfect fake dribble handoff of his that I, I think I, I want to say it was Josh Richardson curling around the screen. And I think even Jay Rich was like surprised that he didn't wind up with the ball because because Olenek executed it so perfectly. It was ridiculous. And like the defender had no idea what was going on. Right. And I think so much of his game depends on that kind of intuition and ability to recognize situations where he can exploit those. Like, think about his his moves under the hoop. Like, I think most of those are born out of, you know, the fact that he was a guard at one point, that he just kind of sprouted as far as his height is concerned, and then all of a sudden had to adjust with a guard skill set in a center's body. And I think that 
he still kind of plays that same way. But unfortunately, he just I, I really do think he lacks kind of overall athleticism yeah. to make up that difference. Like, you know, like, I mean, there are plenty of guys. Look, Anthony Davis is a guy who started out as a guard and now he's a seven footer. But guess what? Anthony Davis is slightly better athletically than, than Kelly yeah. Olenek. So it, that's not always the case. You know, so I think Olenek is just he's going to struggle against smaller, quicker guys. Look, this is a guy, Aaron Gordon, that we saw last Saturday who was a, a tweener. You know, last season under Frank Vogel, he, he was playing the small forward and then kind of shifted to power forward, which is probably his best position. But he even plays small ball center at some points. And he's an incredible athlete, obviously a guy who can get past Olenek. And, and even he was doing it with his outside shooting. So it's not like he was trying to dribble past Olenek, which he certainly would have done. But that's just going to be an issue. I, I think he's a, he's a ground-bound center. He's not going to really sky much uh, as far as Olenek is concerned. He's not going to be able to you – know, move his feet as quickly as we'd like. He's going to give you as much effort as he possibly can on a night-to-night basis, but that's not always going to translate into success. And more often than not, it's probably going to be, you know, you're going to see situations where he's going to get burned. And he does what he can. And I think that's why he kind of had that reputation for being a little physical because he was trying to overcompensate for his lack of athleticism. He's a guy who who put his hands on you. He'll try to tie you up. He'll try to do whatever he can to gain whatever edge is necessary because, well, that's the only way he can make up for it, his lack of athleticism. So I think as far as his, his ceiling is concerned, he's going to be an earnest defender that tries his hardest, and he's still going to get burnt by smaller, quicker players. And so his, that's why I think you and I have advocated for someone that he's probably best suited as the center position. And, you yeah. know, if James Johnson was healthy, healthy i think he would be starting and olenic would be moved back to center and then they'd have to figure out that situation between him and bam playing alongside one another off the bench but that's probably where he and then what do you do with us on white side at that point i mean i mean white side would be the starting center in that situation and olenic would be coming off the bench behind him and you would have to figure out how to find minutes so but yeah um last question it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a Locked on Heat mailbag without a trade question, so we saved it for last. Joe writes in, is it possible to trade Deion Waiters and Hassan Whiteside for a bag of chips? They don't have the Heat attitude, and I like the team without them. Okay, so you and I, we we could debate whether or not the Heat should trade Deion Waiters and Whiteside for a bag well, of chips. I don't, do we want to have Can I ask that you a question? Yeah, go for it. I, what kind of chips are we talking about here? Oh. I think that's an important question to bring up. I mean, Joe doesn't really specify what kind of chips we're talking about here. Sure. I mean... Do you have a favorite bag of chips that you'd be willing to trade either Whiteside or Waiters for? I'm a sucker for the or, the original Pringles. Like, if you had a can of Pringles... Now, I, I know I'm cheating because they come in a can, not a bag. But... That's I, okay. I would trade Dion Waiters for Pringles. Just like Just the original... a can of Pringles? Lifetime supply? If you're offering lifetime supply, I'll take that. But I, I'm not, I'm not going to... I wouldn't oh. say I wouldn't say no to a Dion Waiters trade for one can of Pringles. No. <laughs> <laughs> like if a team called me up and said okay. can of Pringles right now I'd be like I love Pringles that sounds great what about you What would you, would you trade Whiteside for a specific type of chip at this point I mean uh, yeah I, maybe half a bag of something you know to be honest with you I, like, like, I, what's your chip Doritos? I gotta keep up my reputation oh my whoo you know oh, that is a tough one I actually am a sucker for uh, baked ruffles Ooh. I know that's ridiculous like baked cheddar sour Cream ruffles, I think those are my favorite. Those are great. You get me a bag of Cheetos. Yeah, you get me a bag of Cheetos, and I'm like four years old, and there's nothing like <laughs> that orange crust that and then you know, the ensconces your whole fingertip. 
I needed the bag, and, and it's, it, it could get pretty messy. I'll tell you that much. It's it's been bad. It's been bad. But anyway, let's move on to the actual. <laughs> All right, part. let's move on. Yeah. So I don't want to. We we're, we're going to be here for another twenty minutes if we debate whether or not they should. Right. But right. I, the question is, is it possible? So I'm, I, I want to just answer that. And so I figured out, a, I, I did my trade machine magic, and I figured out a couple of trades if you want to hear them. Okay, let's do it. Okay. Uh, Waiters for Amir Johnson. I've talked about that one on the podcast. That's a bag of chips. Amir Johnson is $11 million expiring contract. Nobody in the NBA knows why they signed Amir Johnson to $11 million, because I guarantee you that was not his market price. Everybody thinks that they signed him because it's a really tradable value on an expiring deal that they could use to make a move. If that move, if if they want Philly cheese back in Philly, Waiters from Amir Johnson makes a lot of sense. Um, and then for Whiteside, I hate this deal. I hate this deal so much, but it's. It, it, I think it's possible. If the Heat wanted to move Whiteside for a bag of chips, they could trade him to Phoenix probably for Tyson Chandler or Brandon Knight and Alex Len, which is an awful deal that I think a lot of Heat fans love as an idea because they know the names Tyson Chandler or Brandon Knight. Brandon Knight is probably the worst contract in the NBA right now. Um, he's Ooh. not a good player, and and look, and I like Brandon Knight. Look, SoCal roots or so, so Southern Florida roots. I get it, but like, I no. And Alex Len is a bust. Like he's just not a good player. So, but he's on an expiring contract. Those are and, those are three bags of chips and in various states of, of disarray right there. I mean, those are yeah. Really bad stale chips in Tyson Chandler's case. You know, chips that really don't taste like much in Alex Len, and then chips that are broken and get dunked on all the time in Brendan Knight. So I don't know. I don't know, man. I, those are the worst bags of chips that you could possibly have included, even for a guy like Whiteside. Even I wouldn't make that trade. You know, oh as God. much as I'd like Brandon Knight to flourish in his hometown, I, I just don't see that happening there. So I have a question, though, about like Joe's perception as far as the heat attitude is concerned like isn't it interesting to show what a disparity between lyle's question that we're too critical of Hassan and joe's statement yeah. that they don't have the heat attitude like like white side we, we get a lot of crap for it but i feel like white side is a divisive kind of presence on the heat roster like there are moments there where he's difficult and then you even see like a high you know a headline today from um you know the miami herald manny navarro and of course he didn't write the headline right. but like the, the headline reads what what is hassan whiteside's problem now or, or what's bothering hassan whiteside now and it's kind of a play on you know his health and that he's wearing a knee brace and he didn't like wearing the knee brace but there's a sense there that he look he's a handful he, like he's got an attitude problem and there's no denying that like he's hard to handle at times he's he's got to be coddled a lot by the organization that can be pretty problematic so Anyway, I just wanted to you know get, get into the nuances of what that heat attitude are concerned. I think they're they're comfortable having both waiters and Hassan there. They made a, a lot. They paid a lot of money to sign them both. So I think they believe that there's enough heat attitude there to keep them on their roster. So I don't see a trade for a bag of chips, no matter how how interesting that bag might be. You know, the only I, I don't think that they'll trade him this season i could see them trading him over the summer if they want to get involved in free agency a little bit and they say look it's worth trading whiteside for basically a bag of chips because it gets us in the free it would, maybe they have an idea that hey this this free agent will come to miami we just need to open up the cap space and at that point you know maybe they they move whiteside for a bag of chips just like they moved michael beasley for a bag of chips and shabazz napier for a bag of chips and they've, they've moved players for for various types of chips in the past to, because they knew that they could, they would be in the running for X free agent, right? LeBron James, Chris Bosh, you know, you move your entire team for nothing 
to open up the cap space necessary to get those guys. And But that happens over the summer. That doesn't happen during the season prior to the summer, right? So I could see them doing that sort of deal in the summer, given the right circumstances, but just not not at this point, not not between now and February, uh, February's trade deadline. So, um, all right. I think that's all we got, David. I think um, so. I think we've, we've explored the chip question to its finality. <laughs> Well, we'll be back tomorrow with a preview of the Heat's game against the Pistons, but for now, that's all we have for today. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. You can send mailback questions and ask about advertising by sending an email to LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. Tweet your questions and comments for our recaps using the hashtag AskLOHeat. Music is courtesy of Mojave Wild. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for joining me, David. You got it, Wes.